You wear a lot of hats in a startup. Every day is a little bit different. You have to manage the finances. You have to raise the funds. You have to create the infrastructure of the business so people have benefits and get employed and salaries. And, and then you have to build the market opportunity. To me, that was all very invigorating because you get to touch a lot of different areas, building a brand, building the look, the pricing, the feel, the functionality, problem that it's solving. It's so exciting. It's very stressful to an entrepreneur is not as glamorous as some people might think. But I had some great colleagues that joined me on the journey. I've now tucked all of that into my portfolio and am drawing upon it as I work with businesses on basically doing a similar thing, pulling data off of people. It's money ball for business. In a corporate world where all employees have great leaders with no egos that create fun cultures where people can do their best work. The employees and companies thrive while doing great things for the customers, themselves, and each other. Well, we know that rarely happens. I'm Jeff Palaccio. I have been a leader for over 40 years for every t-shirt size company from small 16 employees to extra large over 1 million. Please join me while I interview outstanding leaders that will share stories of great leadership and not so great. It will help you become a better leader while poking fun at all the crazy shit that happens in corporate America. Welcome to The Corporate Couch. This is part two of Jeff's interview with Terry Foudre. You'll want to listen to part one, but for now, let's listen as Terry concludes her discussion on the work she was doing with IoT and continues talking with Jeff about the work she's doing today. How did you partner with uh, Perry Lee? How did that relationship form? So I was very interested in the Internet of Things, and he was working at Cradle Point. And I had a friend here in Kansas City who was a, a solution architect with Cradle Point. And this IoT trade show was going on in Florida. And my friend said, uh, our executive team is going to be in Florida at this trade show. If you go to it, I'll arrange it for you to meet these folks. So I went down to the trade show. It was really weird. Um, it, it, there was a lobby. Most people were in breakout sessions and there was one person standing in this lobby area. And I walked up to him and I said, hi, I'm Terry. And he said, well, I'm Perry Lee. And he was somebody I was supposed to meet, but I was going to run into him anyway. And and we went to dinner that night and he said, my book is being published today. And I said, what's your book? And he said, IoT and edge computing for architects. So software architects. And he's just brilliant. We became friends. He went back to uh, Boise, Idaho, where he lives. And not long after he went back, Cradle Point dissolved their IoT division. So he knew I was starting this. He's like, Terry, I'll, I'll advise you if you want me to and um, help you. And so we... He stuck with me the whole four or five years. So great guy. So, you know, you, you've worked for companies uh, uh, before you started your, uh, your own company. Your most current experience before doing that is in business development. So what is it like to just be the, the founder and, a, and the CEO of your own company? I mean, what were your learnings? What was going through your head at the time? Well, you wear a lot of hats, of course, in a startup, and um, every day is a little bit different. You have to manage the finances. You have to raise the funds. 
you have to create the infrastructure of the business so people have benefits and get employed and salaries and uh, and then you have to build the market opportunity. Um, to me, that was all very invigorating because you get to touch a lot of different areas and um, it, you're not, um, it, it, you have to grow in any area that you're not, um, it's not your strongest point. And building a brand and building, you know, uh, the look, the pricing, the feel, the functionality, uh, the problem that it's solving, uh, it's, there's, it's so exciting. It's very stressful too. I'll say that, you know, it's, uh, as everybody says, being all an entrepreneur is not as glamorous as some people might think it's, you know, you, you, you're working a lot. And, um, but I had some great colleagues that joined me on the journey and I enjoyed working with them. And we looked like we were going to be very successful. As a matter of fact, I was in the pipeline program in Kansas city and one of the MIT professors, uh, we just had an event the other night and he said to me, you're the one that I thought was going to make it. You're the one that I thought was going to, you know, kill it. And, um, uh, I did too, but one very astute M&A guy out of California said to me, Terry, there are no failures. There are just learnings. And uh, I learned a lot. And, you know, I've now tucked all of that into my portfolio and am drawing upon it as I um, work with businesses on basically doing a similar thing, pulling data off of people to get the right people in the right seats. So it's, it's kind of it's money ball for business. Yeah. So uh, you're a culture index as an executive advisor to CEOs. You know, I've been, I think I went through your uh, helping you on the culture index by uh, submitting my own profile. I've been Colby, you know, Strength Finders, uh, what else? Uh, Myers-Briggs, Enneagram. Myers-Briggs, about six times. No Enneagram yet, so I uh, no. still uh-huh. uh, uh, not have done that. But So what, what's the difference? I, I mean, I, your uh, LinkedIn profile is fabulous in terms of the, how in-depth of it. Tell us in your own words. And I love the Moneyball analogy. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. You know, um, so businesses are trying to digitize, right? They are trying to transform digitally. So that's what we were doing at Conviat with the uh, pulling the data off of the manufacturing stuff. This is the same thing, but pulling it off of the people. And if you think about it, most businesses, um, certainly they're almost all their biggest intangible asset is their people. And if you think about um, uh, Uber has no vehicles, Airbnb really has no real estate. Google traditionally has not had brick and mortar. Their biggest asset is their intangible one, which is their people and and also their software. So if you're trying to transform digitally and it's easy to get the data off of people, why not leverage that? And the difference between, and I was a customer at Culture Index, the difference between um, that and other uh, assessments is that it's actionable. It compares the person and who they are naturally, traits that were formed when they were around 12 years old and are immutable to the role that they are either in or are applying for. And you can see if there's a fit or if there is potentially a misfit. And if there's a misfit, that person's probably stressed and would like to find a better fit. So it's it's really a way to identify leaders uh, understand how to motivate people, understand how they like to learn and train 
and what kind of environment they like to work in. And it enables management and human capital is so scarce and hard to attract at this time to, to make their employees happier and more comfortable in their roles and equip them with what they need to be successful. And if you get the right people on the right people on the bus and get them in the right seats, that correlates directly to revenue and performance improvement. So um, I've been through most of those assessments that you just named. Historically, like when I was at Sprint, we did Myers-Briggs. I was an ENTJ. That didn't change the way my boss interacted with me. It didn't change anything about what I was doing. This is a tool. It's a solution that enables uh, executives to act to improve effectiveness and alignment. I'm an ESTJ, by the way. Are you? <laughs> so, uh, so what? What was the biggest change for you? Again, startup. You know, the startup grind, being the founder, being the CEO, and then being IC, individual contributor, executive advisor. I mean it's a tough pivot. Like what would have been your biggest challenges uh, in your early days at uh, culture index? I don't really see it as a pivot. I see it as really doing what I've done previously, like at who lands taking um, instinctual decision-making on the menu and really validating uh, the direction with data and um, looking at how to apply that data to solve problems or to make the product better and did the same thing at, um, you know, net standard at uh, the blue ocean consulting. It's, it's fact finding what's going on. What can you see that can be improved and then applying that it, to me, it's all, it's all the same approach, knowing people, understanding their problems and figuring out how you can apply your tools or your solutions to solve those. I think that, you know, the, you have to be a self-starter. You have to be able to work without a lot of rigidness or definition in your job uh, to find ways to move forward. And I, I do think too, you know, like we've known each other a long time and I have a, a very nice network of people that I've worked with over time. And I leverage that every day uh, both in trying to help them and also in asking for help to get introductions and to support each other. And I think, you know, that personal brand and um, being very cognizant of how you treat people, your ethics and where you, um, how you engage, you know, that's, that's a huge asset in having a successful career. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you have a great reputation in the community um, in terms of being a connector and helping others. Do you, so you th do you think that's your primary uh, advantage in terms of gaining access to very busy CEOs? Yeah, I do. I also think you want to be reading what they're reading. You want to be thinking about the things they're thinking about. You want them to see you as a peer that um, understands the world they're in and can actually bring um, value to the, the work they're trying to accomplish. And, uh, you know, that, that takes, um, staying relevant, continuously learning, seeking out information and applying it.
Yeah. So how, I mean, how do you uh, go about that? Like, how do you understand what they're reading? I mean, obviously the, I'll say the minority, there's no quantitative data that I'm citing that are active on LinkedIn. Um, uh, the ones that are posting things. Uh, but I mean, how do you, how do you do that? You've been in business a long time. You know, the problems that you've been solving and, you know, why, that which ones are prioritized and why, and having lived the CEO life, having lived the founder life, having um, been through many accelerators and programs and, you know, and I think, I think the key to it is when you are meeting them or you're reconnecting with them, uh, listening and not being so quick to tell your own story, listen to theirs and get that, that nugget of information that um, it gives you a rung to, to grab onto, to understand how you can bring something to the table. Yeah. I'd like to go back to the money ball analogy. Cause I, I love the book and it was a great movie also. And I, I used to use the uh, money ball analogy, both at uh, Beringer Ingelheim as well as uh uh, Aritana Therapeutics, both in the animal health space, and just in terms of, you know, sales performance and optimizing sales and doing that, you know, so to me, Moneyball was around the edges, right? So once you bat 300, you're going to get paid a lot more than, uh, you know, than somebody that bats 298. But essentially, your stats are just about similar. It's just, it's, it's like a, you know, a one carat diamond, versus a, you know, 0.95, it just, a, a 0.95 is going to be a lot less expensive. And so I just would like to hear from, uh, you know, your analogy of the money ball, how does that apply in the culture index space? Well, in uh, Moneyball, as you know, they looked at probabilities. How probable was this person going to get on base, whether that be a walk or a hit? And then how probable was it that they were going to make it all the way around? And you use, you use that talent in different scenarios where you know that the probability of this person um, delivering the goods is higher than this other person. And that's the same thing with individuals. If you consider the fact that, um, you know, everybody can modify their traits for a period of time, but not ongoing constantly because it's exhausting. It causes stress. And, um, you know, if you're an introvert, you're not very social, you can walk in a room and, you know, do that for maybe 20 minutes, an hour, but then you're going to want to go recharge. And um, if you can look at uh, the traits of that person and how they align with the role and create more alignment, the probability of them being successful and um, improving performance is highly increased. If you have a, a team that's doing sales and you've got one person who is delivering um, $2 million a year and um, $1 million to the bottom line, and you've got somebody else on the team who is delivering half a million a year and two fifty to the bottom line, wouldn't you rather have six more of uh, the one who's top performer, that's $12 million top line revenue and repurpose the person who maybe isn't a, a good fit, put them into inside sales or um, some other role. But you can dramatically change the results of a business 
by aligning. It was, I mean, it's good to great, you know, um, just get the right people in the right roles. And there are macro thinkers. There are micro thinkers. There are strategic thinkers. There are tactical thinkers. And people have certain things they like to do that they're comfortable with. And if you if you get them in that role, it, it impacts the entire culture of the company because everybody's happy with what they're doing. They know they can deliver and they know that they can count on whomever's doing stuff to deliver. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big believer in assessments. I just think, and you said it earlier, it's, it's like, if you don't use it, it, it doesn't help you. You know, I, I every company the, Oh, we publish, uh, you know, everybody's strength finders. And then you see who's similar, who's not, but I mean, unless you're using it for some to, to make communication better or, uh, collaboration better it it makes no sense so you know it becomes the uh, flavor of the month i like I, I said i think i've gone through uh myers briggs uh, possibly seven times in my yeah career, so. yeah there, there's there, those activities without outcomes are a waste of time yeah and some of them do not comply with the uh, eeoc regulations so for hiring so um that's important to keep in mind too but that's why what I'm doing now, when I get a new client, I'm working directly with them on an ongoing basis to help them understand how to apply it and following up to make sure that uh, they're achieving their goals. It's really fun. I'm I'm really happy with um, this because it, it does have outcomes. It does have impact. And um, it's an eight minute survey. It's very easy to implement, you know, across a company. Yeah, I think I've taken it at least twice. So yeah, it's it, it's been interesting. And once you sign a a client up, you're working with them till they say we don't want to work with you anymore. Right, it's an annual license and we train the people who are motivating, hiring, training, uh promoting within the organization so they they have a command of it and over time it grows. It's uh I'm an evangelist. I, I was a customer, like I say, and I saw it firsthand. And uh, when the opportunity came to join up on this and I was, I jumped at it. Yeah. It's, it just seems like a perfect marriage of what you like to do and what you stand for and your, your background, your being data driven and uh, adding value to companies. So that's incredible. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Terry, your career, you spanned a lot of different, uh, industries, a lot of different leadership roles. Um, you know, what, what's the common theme for you that has driven you to success in, 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 in so many different businesses? Well, um, I know that you identify as a servant leader and I do too, making sure that you uh, are recognizing and valuing people for what they contribute and uh, finding out how to motivate them and I also think staying hyper-focused on the customer and the problem you're solving for the customer that is important to them. Without that, you, um, you're just floundering. You know, there's, I, like I said, I was in the pipeline program and there are a lot of mentors that are associated with that. It's for entrepreneurs, it's an accelerator in Kansas, Nebraska, and Missouri. And they pick 13 people every year and they interview a ton. And what I hear from them often is, you know, people have a hammer, they're looking for a nail, they have a solution, but they haven't found the problem that it solves. And they talk constantly about how refreshing it is 
if somebody is actually solving a problem that they have identified with a customer. And um, I think that, you know, that's that's the critical part of it. You got to stay close to the customer and what they're looking for. And it changes. So you got to not do it once, but do it all the time. And then I think just, um, you know, bringing, bringing your best and that hard work, good attitude, and uh, looking for creative ways to Address those problems. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. So, uh, I know I know you read a lot. So, uh, what's on your nightstand right now? What are you reading? Oh, actually, um, one of my customers uh, told me that they'd been reading the Five Dysfunctions of a Business by uh, Lencioni, and uh, so I wanted to see what that was all about and how that impacts what uh, we're working on and. so that's what I've been reading most recently. What about your uh, kind of your favorites from uh, last year's reading list that you've completed? Well, I like the E Myth, uh, Zero to One. I do a lot of internet searches looking for uh, articles and things that um, are current and try and stay on top of that. What's uh, Emith uh, revisited Michael Gerber, I believe, very a classic book. Uh, what's what's zero to one about? That is um, about startup and how to get something going and be efficient with it. And uh, as we all know, you can overbuild something before you've really launched it. And um, so it's really about how to do that efficiently. I'd like to end the uh, podcast with two questions to help two different groups of people uh, that I uh, have empathy for both. One is a, a recent college graduate going to graduate in uh, May of this coming uh, year. What career advice would you have for them? Think about where you want to be 10 years from now and look at that job description on Indeed or whatever job post and look at what experience they're looking for to help map your career to get you to that point so you can uh, move forward with purpose and intention to know where you're going. Understand that the people that you work with throughout your career may likely pop up again later in your career. And you work with so many great people, stay in touch with them, keep a record of them. Uh, don't lose sight of them because I, I hired a young man out of college back at Hulhan's restaurant group and he is now in Atlanta and uh, we still stay in touch and look for opportunities for each other uh, professionally. So those resources have value in many different areas, even when you least expect it. And um, make sure that you're working for somebody you learn from. If you find yourself in a position with a bad boss, get out of it, go somewhere else because those people above you really impact how you grow and where you um, thrive. Yeah, I love the advice and I have not heard it before. And I, I ask a lot of people this. So you're saying, you know, I'm 22, 23, 21, whatever year I'm, uh, age I'm graduating. You're saying look for somebody with 10 years experience that job description and see what that takes yeah. And start ha- having a goal in mind of what do I need to um, not only start as a, you know, junior marketing manager or, you know, a staff assistant on a, at an ad agency, but what do I, what do I need to do 
professionally learning wise to get where I want to be in 10 years. Right. Because let's say 10 years from now, you're looking for a job and you see a job and you look at what the qualifications that they're seeking and you don't have those, you could have intentionally gained those um, in the meantime. It, it By looking at those postings, uh, you can see, you know, what are the boxes I need to check to get to the next level? The other group I'd love to help is, you know, you're newly promoted to a manager. You now have direct reports. You're leading a team for the first time. You know, looking back on your career and your early leadership uh, positions, you know, what advice would you have them to help them improve? <laughs> you know, the hardest thing to do in business is be a good communicator. And that's the one problem that every single company has. And so figuring out how to be a good communicator and a good listener um, and, and then really genuinely caring about how you help the people that are reporting to you be their best selves and help them grow. Most people are looking for ways to grow, especially in those early career stages. And um, if people feel that you have um, some empathy and some a desire to help them become better, they'll do a, they'll do so much for you you can't even imagine. And uh, and those are opportunities for lifetime relationships as well. It, you people remember a good boss, and uh, they also remember a bad boss. <laughs> and you want to be in the former category. You don't want to be Sid. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Terry, you're a delight. One of my favorites. Um, I'm so glad we connected. I think. We reconnected at one of your events, I think, at Pulsinelli. I, I, I almost positive. Probably so. Yeah. Haven't seen each other in a long time, and yeah, uh, I'm just glad we did. And uh, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. It was an honor and a pleasure, and it's always good to speak with you. All right. Take care. What a great episode with Terry. What I loved about it is how. Being an entrepreneur is not glamorous. You're doing everything, raising the money. You know, people have this idea about, you know, the Silicon Valley entrepreneurs and all the success they have, but it's, it's a grind. And I know Terry personally, and I know the grind she went through. So it was just incredible, but she's so smart. I mean, uh, very strategic. I love how she makes it simple for people in terms of understanding what she's doing, you know, her current job at Culture Index, you know, the money ball for business and, and people and culture and talent management, getting people on the right bus. When she had her own company, you know, it was the fit bark for the manufacturing process. Joe, what did you take away? I know it's probably going to be something about tech and probably yeah, you, IoT. You, but you know me too well, don't you? Yeah. The, the IoT, Internet of Things, is the thing that I thought was just amazing that she went into that. You know, uh, it's, it's something that I'm interested in and I wish I could get more into it. But uh, when she was talking about that, it was interesting to, to note that IoT is where everybody is going right now. I, you know, it is, it is both wide open and crowded at the same time. It's like that old Yogi Berra quote when he was talking about uh, a, a certain restaurant and he said, it's too crowded. Nobody goes there anymore. Exactly. Uh, that's, that's exactly what IoT is right now. There are, it always reminds me of the early days of the internet, you know, kind of the late, late 90s. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was in the middle of all of that. You know, yeah. I was making my own web page for myself. 
uh, because everybody else was. And I wanted to be the first to do it, but it was hard to do because everybody was the first to do it, you know? So um, I, I just I just thought that that whole thing was interesting. And ultimately, I think that's why she wasn't as successful as she'd hoped that she would be, because there was just uh, an incredible amount of competition out there. Um, but it's still, a, it, it, it's this paradox. There's a lot of competition, but there's still plenty of things to be done. There are things now that can be done with IoT that people haven't even thought of before. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, like putting an RFID on a bottle of aspirin in the grocery store and following it as it goes out of the grocery store. You know, I mean, little, maybe that's an absurd example, but little things like that, there are things that will happen in the IoT space in the next couple of years that people literally have not even considered right now. And I, I oh, think that's a, that's a fascinating yeah. topic. Joe, uh, based on uh, Terry's uh, conversation, what leadership advice do you want to uh, impart on our, our You know, we can, we can go right back to Yogi Berra again, because uh, one time when he was chasing a pop fly and he lost it in the sun and let it get by him, and he had to explain that uh, in the, uh, to reporters after the game. And uh, the way he explained it was he said, well, it gets late off the early around here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Corporate Couch. If you enjoy the podcast, I would love for you to take two minutes out of your day to rate us five stars and write a review. Please join me next week to learn from another great leader sharing their professional journey and insights.